The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays, live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and bet $100, win $100 at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Wednesday, November 2nd, a full schedule of games here in the NBA on Wednesday night. And joining me, a full house of sharp guys that know what they're talking about in the NBA. You guys know the voices first. My main man on the East Coast over there that has the Tennis Gambling Podcast, WNBA Gambling Podcast, NFL Gambling Podcast. And does all the production work for SGPN. My main man, Scott Studio Rachel. Scott, what's going on, my man? Nothing much. Doing pretty well. Uh, it was a pretty interesting day in the NBA because I lost the lock and dog going for props. But I got every spread right on the game. I liked the under for the Suns game. I liked a couple player props that worked out. I know Vucevic rebounds got there. I had a bio points got there. Bridges got there. So it was a very good day in the NBA. But I had nothing to show for because I went 0 for 2 in the lock and dog. So kind of interesting. But either way, uh, if you ended up backing all of our picks from the show yesterday, you ended up cleaning up. I know we crushed it. Yeah, great day yesterday as far as the four games on schedule on Tuesday. Um, you know, I went uh, 2-0 on my picks. I had the Bulls alt-line minus 3, and then I took the SGA over prop. Made me nervous that Josh Kitty was ruled in uh, right before, I think, a uh, couple i think an hour or 30 minutes before the game but nonetheless that still came across the board as the thunder got the victory there as well but also joining us on this wednesday episode you guys know him as the villain of the show the superstar of the show on the wnba gambling podcast as well and the nfl gambling podcast it's terrell the villain Furman jr what's going on terrell how's it going my man What's going on? What's going on? Hate to miss the fun yesterday, but today's a new day. Today's a new day, new money, new checks. So you can't blame yourself yesterday since Scott and I got uh, Steve Nash fired yesterday. We were yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, I was listening to, I heard it pretty much. He got fired right after you guys put that out. So they, they yeah. was definitely listening and say, all right, well, it's time to pull the trigger on this. Yeah, I mean, Scott, we, we talked about it yesterday. I think it was something that was inevit- inevitable for the Brooklyn Nets organization, whether it was going to happen. It happened yesterday or it was going to be maybe next week or a week or two from now. But any thoughts uh, as after it did get, you know, the news came down? And then I think the more interesting part is that they're bringing in Ima Yudoka, uh, you know, I think in a week or two to take over as a head coach here. But you have any thoughts on uh, what happened yesterday? Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of layers to unpack, and some of that's based on who they hired, as you just said, as yeah. the head coach. But I kind of want to just talk about Steve Nash's tenure briefly sure. with the Nets, and it's mostly going to come down to the media reaction to the firing. And I'll focus on inside the NBA because Barkley called Nash a scapegoat and said that it really wasn't his fault that it didn't work out. A lot of it's on the players, how Durant and Kyrie didn't buy in either from a leadership perspective or just from an overall willingness to put the effort in day in, day out. It's kind of how it worked itself out. Now, I do think he's right to some degree where I'm not sure if firing Nash really will accomplish anything in the short term 
because this team isn't close to being good enough to win a title no matter what. But I don't know why we need to live in such absolutes where both can't be true. Like, I think it's possible to state that Durant and Kyrie have done a pretty poor job just by how they've handled day-to-day affairs. KD has demanded trades in the past, and he showed that he's not exactly interested in being a part of this franchise's future. Kyrie won AWOL a couple of times last year with the vaccine stuff. He also ditched a couple of days to go to a birthday party for one of his siblings back in the day. I think it was his sister, if I'm not mistaken. But the point has been distractions involving those two for a while. But it doesn't change the fact that Steve Nash was a bad basketball coach. Like, I don't know why both of those statements can't be true. You can criticize the players and say they need to buy in more. But I don't know why people are suddenly pretending that Steve Nash was a good basketball coach who had no chance of succeeding. He was a bad basketball coach. And if you watch the Nets, you know he was a bad basketball coach. So I think it's a good move that they fired him. Now, Udoka is, of course, a good basketball coach because he – helped turn around the Celtics, and they made the NBA Finals last year. Should he have been hired? No, because he's a workplace harassment guy. Like, I feel like just the actual optics of this move are horrible. So I don't think he should have been hired. But he has a connection with Katie and Kyrie because he was on the Nets bench in the past as a bench coach. So he does have some familiarity with the roster. But if you're asking for my overall takeaways from what happened yesterday, I think Nash should have been fired. I think he's a bad basketball coach. He should have been fired last year. But I also think that Udoka is really an awful hire at this point in time because a lot of the details with his scandal with the Celtics weren't exactly flushed out. And it seems extremely distasteful from a morality perspective to hire a guy who's in the middle of an indefinite suspension because of workplace harassment and to give him a blank check. So that's kind of my takeaway. I think that the Nets messed it up by hiring him in the middle of this actual situation, but I like the idea of firing Nash because I really don't think he was good at his job. Yeah, I mean, look, we talked about it. I mean, it, it was we said it was a coaching thing, right? And it was going to happen. He's just not a great basketball coach. I don't know how many times that I watched Nets games and there were like critical moments in a game where he would turn over to assistant coach to get his advice and then and make a decision at that point. And we saw it in, in the playoff series where, you know, he was clearly outmatched by other head coaches and other teams that they were going up against. So a, a new chapter in, in the Brooklyn Nets, at least the coaching uh, regime there, Jock is, that a, last is, that night. Pun, is that a pun intended? You said new nah. chapter, and it's like Durant demanded a trade a couple months ago. Is, is, is that intended or is that unintentional? That was unattended. That okay. was unintended. So, yeah, uh, hopefully you, um, things start, you know, going in the right direction for the Brooklyn Nets. Terrell, any thoughts about the Steve Nash firing, bringing in Yumi Yodoka uh, as far as transpired for the Nets over the past 24 hours? I mean, in my opinion, it's not – you know, if they bring in Ime Adoka, it's when they bring in Ime yeah. Adoka. Like, come on, you just fired your coach six games into the season. You have an entire season to go. Who is somebody that's been on that coaching staff before that is currently more than likely probably going to be out of a job outside of this year? Ime Adoka, who is somebody that took their team to an NBA Finals last year after having a historic second half of the season run and turned them around completely as a defensive unit? Doka. So I think that I I mean, I know the morality. I know where we're talking about they probably shouldn't, but it's the Brooklyn Nets. And when the Brooklyn Nets ever made a decision that we thought that they probably shouldn't make that, <laughs> you know, they like they never make the right decision. So is Ime Doka probably the best thing for this team right this second? 
Probably so. I'm not going to lie. He probably is right now because they need somebody to come in and do that job right now and be able to command a locker room where you don't have a training camp or any time to get to know the guys like that for real. However, long term, is it a long term good decision? More than likely, probably not. And it's probably going to blow up in their face in the next couple of years. But as for this season, it's probably the best move they should make. I was going to say, I guess the argument is if you're going by the pros and cons, the negative is the PR. But you have Kyrie on your team who's being accused of being an anti-Semite. So I don't know if PR actually matters at this point. So they might be so far off the deep end in PR because Kyrie didn't get suspended. Nothing happened with his incident. I'm not saying he should have been suspended one way or another. I'm just saying since one of the star players on the Nets already isn't exactly in the best graces of the fans, I feel like having a coach who also is having some issues off the court is definitely not ideal. But it also shows the Nets don't exactly care much about PR. That's kind of my point. Yeah, I don't think they do. Either. It was funny to see that yesterday they put up a posting. Uh, somebody tweeted out that the Nets are hiring for a PR coordinator mm-hmm. <laughs> as soon as the news from Imi Yudoka dropped, uh, which I thought was kind of funny. But, uh, yeah. I uh, applaud. <laughs> I applaud. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of games here tonight in the NBA, guys, as usually on Wednesdays. I'm sure we'll talk more about the uh, Nets as we kind of progress through the weeks here. But, um, yeah, big schedule as usual on Wednesdays. And why don't we just dive right into it, gentlemen. Uh, first game on the schedule here. It's going to be the Washington Wizards and the Philadelphia 76ers squaring off. Second games in as many nights. Um, it's going to be an earlier start. I think it's a 5-10, uh, sorry, 6-10 Eastern start. Uh, the Washington Wizards in Philadelphia to take on the uh, Sixers. This line opened up at minus eight. Uh, that number has now been bet down to minus six and a half. Uh, the total opened up at 219 and a half. Currently over on win bet is at 218. Money line minus 260 for the Philadelphia 76ers and plus 210 for the Washington Wizards. Looking at the injury report for both of these teams, Joel Embiid is questionable tonight uh, for the Philadelphia 76ers with a non-COVID-related illness. Uh, and Jaden Springer is also out. He's on assignment for the Washington Wizards. Pretty clean injury report. We know Corey Kispert has been dealing with the left ankle sprain, and DeLon Wright is also out with a right hamstring uh, sprain in this game. Like I mentioned, these two teams did match up. Uh, I believe it was on Monday where the Sixers, I believe, got the victory there. Uh, but, bro, yep. let me start with you on this game between the Sixers and the Washington Wizards as a, what did I say, a six-and-a-half-point favorite currently over on win bet. Uh, I mean, it's the immediate rematch between this one. We talked about Sixers won that first one, 118-111. And Scott and I previewed that game, and one of the things we were talking about is we thought that the Sixers would be would look a little bit better without Joe Embiid in the lineup just because they refused to push the tempo or push the pace with him in the lineup. Him and James Harden just automatically equals a slower tempo and slower pace. And when he's out of the lineup, you get to see more maxi, you get to see more running, and you get to see more offense. And you got that. They scored 118 points. Yeah, I think that if Joel Embiid comes back into this, it's so easy for Doc and them to get pigeonholed. And yes, Joel Embiid is one of the best players in the game, but so pigeonholed in running that slow offense. And this Washington team has been really good in slower paced games. Like they have been very good in their half court sets, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And so if they refuse to run, they refuse to push the pace in this game. I just have to think that in the immediate rematch, I can see some more adjustments from West Unsell Jr. And one, getting Bradley Beal more more involved in the offense and more involved on the road. Yeah, give me the Washington Wizards here. I'll take the points with them in the immediate rematch. I think that this is going to be, at the very least, a close game. 
probably closer than the 76ers should allow it to be. And if not, the, the Wizards don't get some payback and get a win on the road outright. Scott? I'm going to stick with props in this game because, once again, I don't exactly know if Embiid's going to play or not. And I don't think it's a hot take to say the Sixers have looked better without Embiid in the lineup this season. I don't think that's really a hot take. It's what we've seen. But still, I think if he's not going to play, you take the basics. You take Maxi over. You probably take the over in the full game. And you probably look at Harden assists because he had, what, 17 last time out against Washington? I feel Mm -hmm. like you're looking at a pretty similar script for the Sixers game plan. Let Maxi do his thing because he dropped 29. And the game Mm -hmm. prior without Embiid, he dropped 44 on Toronto. But you have Harden, who's been a very good facilitator with Embiid in or, or out of the lineup. I just think the flow for the Sixers offense is a lot better when Embiid's not there. And I'm yeah. not saying that, you know, they can't potentially make it work with Harden and Embiid together. But as of right now, they look a lot better when he's not there. And I do think based on that, I'll stick with a similar script to what we just saw in the previous meeting. The spread will be up in the air, so I'm not going to touch it. I still would lean to the over. But I do think if you're looking at props, maxi points over and Harden assists over is probably the way to go. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. If Joel Embiid is not able to go tonight, um, get on that maxi prop. I think he's gone uh, 23 or more points in nine out of the last 10 games where Embiid has not played uh, for the Philadelphia 76ers. And you're right that the pace will be a lot better uh, with these Philadelphia 76ers. You know, you saw it in the last game where they were able to put up, what, 117 points uh, without Embiid in the lineup. Um, so uh, as far as the side, I agree with Terrell. I think that's plus six and a half, I think, is a way to look at this uh, in this game. Now, if Joel Embiid is able to go, I really do like the under in this game, uh, especially in that first yeah. half right now. The uh, Washington Wizards, I believe, are uh, six and one towards the under, at least in the first half of games. Uh, I'm sorry, against the spread. So maybe look at Sixers first half and then um, full game under as well uh, between these two teams um, for this game if Joel Embiid is played. So make sure to check that injury report before you place any bets for this game uh, with the status of Joel Embiid currently questionable as of 1030 uh, Central Time. Uh, anything else for this game, guys, before we get over to the next one? Well, what's uh, going yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah you can go, go ahead. first. Sorry. No, no. All I was saying is just at in, in there, uh, Kyle Kuzma over six and a half rebounds. Okay. I think that's a very, very generous line. He's hit this in the last three games, and he's one of the best rebounders on the team. I do think that, you know, last game, the Sixers shooting 55%, 40% from three is a little bit of an anomaly. They're going to bring that back down, a little bit regression to the mean there, and I think that's more opportunities for Kyle Kuzma to get defensive rebounds. So, yeah, give me over Kyle Kuzma's six-and-a-half rebounds today. Scott, your message I was just going to ask if Embiid is officially playing, do we want to make a case for Wizards money one? Uh, yeah, I think you can, um, especially what, you know, this is a second meeting in as many nights, right? And mm-hmm. I think we've seen a lot of times where – Teams usually split these meetings unless it's a very, very porous club or ball club going up against a one of the better teams in the NBA. I think that yeah, that opportunity might be there for a Wizards money line here tonight. Yeah, I was, I, I was just wondering because I think we all agree so far the Sixers have looked like a completely different team when Harden's not when uh, Harden and Maxi have to operate by themselves with yeah. Embiid not being in the lineup. Yeah. All right, let's get over to the next game of the night. It's going to be uh, the first game of a doubleheader on the four-letter network there. 7.30 Eastern start. It's going to be the Boston Celtics in Cleveland to take on the Cavaliers. 
Uh, this line opened up at minus two for the Boston Celtics. That number has Tra- trash Celtics. Trash Celtics. Uh, <laughs> minus two for the Boston Celtics. That number has stayed the course at win bet at minus two. Uh, total opened up at 220 and a half. It's down half a tick on win bet at 220. Money line minus 130 for the Boston Celtics and plus 110 for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, looking at the injury report for both of these teams, uh, pretty clean for the Boston Celtics. We already know about Gallinari and Robert Williams being out. For the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, questionable tag for Darius Garland as he is dealing with left eye laceration. Uh, Raul Neto is doubtful for this game as well. He has a right ankle sprain. Uh, and Ricky Rubio, we know he's out with a ACL uh, injury. He's recovering from that. So, Pretty clean upset for Darius Garland here. Scott, let me start with you on this game. Boston Celtics minus two as a road favorite against the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think this one's very tricky because these teams just played against each other and the Cavs went in there and won an overtime. But I think we got to at least talk about how many things had to go right for the Cavs to win that game because they didn't get 40, just 40 from Donovan Mitchell, which is expected. They got 40 from Karis LeVert. And then Levert dropped a one point in the game after dropping 40, which I just find hilarious to me. But you had 80 points between two players. I, I do think that the Celtics are in a good spot to kind of get even and to get a split out of this because Levert went nuclear and the Cavs still barely won the game. I think if you end up holding Mitchell somewhat in check, you limit him to even 30 in this game. I just think that Boston should be able to end up getting the job done because they've been a firepower. Tatum was still very good. We know Brown is still very good. The team itself has been solid. The issue mm-hmm. is occasionally defensively they have some no-show performances. But I'm going to go with Boston here. I just think that after losing such a close game because Levert, who's basically a role player on their team, dropped 40, I think Boston's going to be pretty motivated to get back on track and to split this. So I'm going to take the Celtics here minus the short number. Terrell? Yeah, I'm going Cavs in this one. You can't take and, the Celtics because you did one time and they burned yeah. you. So you can never take them again for the rest of the year. No, nah, but I actually have a good reason for not taking them this time. And it's just more of I think that the Cavs are just a bad matchup for the Celtics. And we talk about for years, I've come up here and I've talked about, hey, play your centers against Celtics, play your centers against Celtics. They refuse to address this issue that they've had every single year. And then the final time that they finally addressed it, they're the person that they have to address it gets hurt every single season, which is Robert Williams. And so now you have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, and they run this slow-paced offense where the Celtics like to run slow as well. But I think that that offense benefits the Cavs more than it does the Celtics. And so here you are, the Cavs, who are only top five team in offensive and defensive rating. And it's because not only did they get 41 from Karis LeVert, but they can get that other scoring from different guys. Evan Mobley could come in there and give you 20. You can have Kevin Love, who went – to play the Knicks and he gave 29 coming off the bench. Like they have so many other guys that just step up for this team and able to supplement that scoring load. Even Jared Allen comes in there, can give you a double double when you need it. So yeah, I think that the Cavs just have a little bit too many options and just some areas that the Celtics struggle in, which is the big men. So I'm leaning Cavs here. I just don't think that they're going to be able to stop anything the Cavs have going on. And they're going to really, really need to rely on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown this game to supplement that scoring. Yeah, kind of took a look at the box score from uh, these two teams' matchup earlier. Um, Cavs did out-rebound them by uh, eight. They had a plus-eight rebounding advantage in that game, but the Celtics had actually had a plus-six uh, advantage inside points inside the paint uh, in that game. So, um, yeah, for me, I, I think that matchup, it, Terrell is right, that it might be something that 
the Boston Celtics have their hands full with, um, with you know Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. But I, I think that for me, I, I kind of like you know back in a team that's they've played in as many nights. I know they had a game in between there, but I think that the factor that hey the Cavs went in there into Boston in TD Garden got the victory there. I think Boston probably wants to return that favor here tonight. So I'm going to go with Boston here tonight, minus the two uh, on the road here. Um, I think the point that what Scott made there kind of stood out as well with you're getting, you got 41 points from Karis LeVert. Now, is he going to be able to repeat that tonight against Boston? I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. I think that, you know, you'll get what you get from Donovan Mitchell. We know he's one of the prolific scorers in the NBA, right? He put up a 41 piece in that mm-hmm. game as well, but I just think that there's more, balanced scoring for the Boston Celtics with, you know, Tatum Brown, you know, Marcus Spark can get you points, Derek Wright. And then you have some guys off the bench as well. So yeah, Brogdon Mm -hmm. as well. Right. So um, yeah, I, I I think that this is a game where Boston does come in here in uh, in Cleveland and takes care of business. You guys have any thoughts on the total here, Scott, I'll start with you Uh, currently sitting at two twenty. I think I have to link to the over just based on what we saw in the last meeting. I know it went to overtime, but even before overtime, the game after overtime landed in the two fifties, but yeah, I just think based on what we saw, you saw a lot of pace in that overall game, the first half especially. You had 34 points in the fourth quarter, and the game Mm -hmm. still flew over the total because you had 67 in the first quarter and 70 in the second quarter. Third quarter also had 57. So the fourth quarter was an absolute rock fight, and the game still flew over. I got to go with the over. I just think both teams have too many weapons offensively. Yeah, Boston uh, so far this season, first half totals, they are 4-1-1 one, and one towards the over. And they Cleveland, play faster. Yeah, they're, they're at 3-3. Three and three, So, uh, yeah, I like that. Uh, Terrell, thoughts on the uh, total here? Uh, I kind of I want to lean under here. And I'll say I'll lean under because I just – both of these teams shot 51%. And then the – what was that? 39% from three from Boston, 45% from three from – the caps. I just think that the scoring, like we said, we don't think that Karis Levert is going to go out there and score 41 again. Like, I just think the scoring is down from both teams all the way around. And in this one, they're a little bit more competitive against each other. They seen each other play that first time. They make adjustments. They get after a little bit more defensively. I think this does go a little bit under the total. So give me a number. And also you mentioned the three point numbers and the numbers from the floor. It is worth mentioning as well that each team in the first meeting attempted 32 plus free throws. Yeah. My whole shit. (laughs) Throwing it out there. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even realize that. That's crazy. All right, next game on the schedule, 7.30 Eastern start as well. It's going to be the Sacramento Kings Sacramento Kings down in South Beach to take on the Miami Heat. Um, this line opened up at, let's see here, uh, minus seven for the Miami Heat. That number has been bet down to minus six. Uh, currently, the total opened up, sorry, the total opened up at 226.5. That's been bet down significantly at 220 now. So money coming in on the under uh, money line. Right now for this game, I'm currently seeing minus 250 for the Miami Heat and 2-1 to one for the Sacramento Kings. Looking at the injury report for both of these teams, uh, let's go with the Miami Heat. Not yet one submitted because they did play last night. They do have some extra time. But for the Sacramento Kings, we know that the Aaron Fox is going to be uh, missing some time after he suffered a bone bruise in his right knee in the last game against the Charlotte Hornets. Trey Lyles also questionable tonight. Uh, for the Sacramento uh, Kings, he has a right foot soreness. Um, so, again, keep an eye out for that. But last night, Miami takes care of business on their home floor. 
uh, against the Golden State Warriors. Now they're in a back-to-back situation, a home-and-home situation, so no travel involved here. But, Scott, let me start with you on this game. Miami Heat currently sitting as a six-point home favorite against the Sacramento Kings. So the Kings just beat the Heat in Sacramento uh, last week. So you could argue Mm -hmm. if you want to go for a revenge spot, Miami should be motivated. Fatigue's going to be a concern, though, because the game was very competitive against Golden State last night, so you couldn't exactly rest the starters. I know that you ended up seeing Butler take over the game down the stretch, which you kind of needed to do. Nice win, though, by Miami. The thing is, you have to try to figure out what to expect or guess what you're going to expect without Fox in the lineup because he got injured against the Hornets, and then they took over the game when he got hurt. And you looked mm-hmm. at what Mitchell and what Herter did, especially down the stretch, and they were fantastic. And Fox was also, I don't even know how to describe his game against Miami because he had 17 points on 6 of 17 shooting, which is not very good. But he had 13 rebounds and 5 assists. 13 rebounds? Like that's, that's uh, That might be a career high for Fox. I don't remember him ever having that many rebounds in a game. But I think if you want to look for some plays here, I think that it's probably worth going to the player prop realm here. I see Davion Mitchell at 15 and a half and the points it's over is even money. I got to take the over with Davion Mitchell because he's going to get all the minutes. You're trying to think of who's going to fill in the void of Fox being out of the lineup. And I think it's got to be Mitchell. We know Mitchell mm-hmm. started in relief last year. We know he's a very good player. We liked him at Baylor. He was a top 10 pick in the draft. We know he's got a lot of talent. He's a very good defensive player as well. So if you want to go for props, I do like Davion Mitchell over 15 and a half at even money because he should be playing 30 plus minutes. And he also was really good down the stretch against the Hornets. So we know Sacramento trusts him in big moments. So I like Davion Mitchell over. I think for this actual game, though, I don't know if I can really take Miami because I don't know if Hero's going to play. He's currently yeah. a game-time decision. It's one of those classic back-to-back spots where I understand why money came in on the other team, and I understand why the under-money came in. It's because of scheduling spot. And I think for that reason, I'm going to stay away from the side and total. But for player props, I'm expecting uh, your Mitchell to step up in Fox's absence, and I would probably blindly take Kevin Herter three-pointers yeah. because he's been an absolute lunatic for the last week. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it. I'm going to go with the prop approach. Yeah, it's kind of difficult to uh, handicap this game. It's a number one back-to-back situation for the uh, Miami Heat, like we mentioned. Also, their injury report hasn't been submitted. Like you mentioned, that Tyler Hero is also questionable. And again, we don't know how the the Kings are going to play without De'Aaron Fox uh, in the lineup. So, you know, might be a stay-away game for me. This was one of the games I was having some difficulties handicapping as well. But... um, I think that if Tyler here was not able to go and if they, the books do point it, maybe look at Duncan Robinson three-point uh, shots as well in this game. But I do like your call about Kevin Herter three-point shots because he's just been on a tear at least over the last two games uh, for the uh, Sacramento Kings, and he's going to have to step up as well. Now, is this, I know, Scott, you and I talked about if Harrison Barnes has kind of disappeared, but is this now the time for him to kind of step up with the absence of uh, Deer and Fox? Any thoughts I think on it that? Is, I th- somebody's got to step up. It's either going to be... Uh, Mitchell at the point guard position. Herter's already been stepping up, so I don't think he can yeah. do much more than what he's been doing. Maybe Keegan Murray, if you want to make a case. You know, you get the young guy who could be a matchup problem for opposing teams, and you hopefully can get him going a little bit. But the point is, when you lose a star player, a couple of things are going to happen. Either your team's going to crater because he's the focal point of your offense, you don't exactly have good enough talent around you, or you see what it happens in the NBA a lot, where a star player's out, and everybody else collectively steps up, and you win games. We saw it with the Pelicans and how they beat the Mavericks without 
Ingram and Zion and Herb Jones and all these guys because you had a lot of unsung heroes step up or Trey Murphy doesn't miss a shot for the entire game. We've seen it with the Sixers, with Embiid being out. They can win mm-hmm. games without him. I think you could be looking at a spot where people – I like Fox as a player. Sure. However, he has not won anything his entire career, and some people think that he might just be a stat sheet guy and he doesn't actually win games. He's not a winning basketball player. So this is a, a chance for the Kings to either prove or disprove that theory – by seeing how the team looks without him. That's how I look at it. Terrell? Yeah, I'm going to go Miami here on the back-to-back here, and I'm going to lay the six and a half. And it's really just lack of faith in this Kings team. I think this Kings team is a lot of talent and just it's not all put together. Mike Brown hasn't figured out a way to put together yet. It was a very nice win to come back against Charlotte on the road and get that, but it's still not going to take away that the Kings are still not good when they travel to the East Coast. They have a track record in history of when they go on these East Coast trips, they kind of come out with a lot of a lot of L's. And so I think this is another situation where you have the Heat at home. Yes, they're coming off of a back-to-back, but I'm just going to take the more experienced, the more veteran team. Max Strews came in very, very well in place of Tyler Hero and played really well. So if Hero doesn't go, I like Strews, I like Vincent, I like all those guys in the backcourt just to be able to hold things down. And... I understand why the Kings have done better. Davion Mitchell is a really good defender. And so now they play better defense by default because De'Aaron Fox doesn't play defense. Mitchell does. So I understand why the money's coming in. I understand why, you know, it's a good spot to kind of fade the Heat, especially coming off of a win against the Warriors at home. But I think this is another spot where the Heat just kind of clean up this back-to-back set real quick. And I'm just going to fade the Kings having a good day like they did against Charlotte. Also, I do want to point out one potential prop. I know fatigue might be an issue late in the game. I like Heat fourth quarter in this game, and I know that they could be exhausted in the second half of back-to-back. I get it. Mike Brown is so bad in the fourth quarter. I mean, if we're going to talk about quarter breakdowns, I know that Terrell and I uh, have mentioned in the past how the Sixers are an atrocious third-quarter team. I got burned on it in the last game against Washington. But based on overall trends and what we've seen, the Kings get smacked in the fourth quarter all the time. And I think if you want to talk about which coach you trust more down the stretch and which players you trust more down the stretch, are there many players in the NBA you trust with less than three minutes on the clock more than Jimmy Butler? Yeah. You're right. Mm, yeah. There's probably a I'm handful saying. of like, that. Yeah. You know what you're getting. So I'll go with Miami with the home crowd in the fourth quarter because I just think Sacramento will do what it always does, which is get out coached down the stretch of games. Yeah. Uh, one more note, I did want to mention that uh, Miami Heat do have one of the worst three-point shooting uh, defenses in the entire league. They're number 29 out of 30 teams just ahead of the Indiana Pacers. Right now, Miami's given about 14.6 uh, makes per game and allowing around teams to shoot about 38% uh, from the three-point line. So I think that Kevin Herter prop and possibly Davion Mitchell, he's only at my, 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 uh, over and set at one and a half for his three-point shots tonight here as well. Uh, with a little bit of big at minus 135 for this game. So maybe something to keep in mind for you prop uh, players out there as well. And, and if we're going to talk about it, we got to talk about the Kings as well because you throw the Heat and the Pacers in there. You got to throw the Kings in there too. Kings giving up 42 points. Yeah, I'm sorry. Three, yeah, yeah, you're right. 28th in the NBA. So, and my yeah, nets are it, somewhere this there, might they be. They don't matter. <laughs> yeah, this this might be that game where you just kind of take some threes on both sides and put them all together and you hit really nicely. Yeah, uh, so yeah, this is a great call there, Terrell. I should have mentioned that. Uh, Sacramento, number 28 out of 30 teams as far as opponent three-point percentage allowed at 42.2. So we may see some, um, yeah, great. You know, this might be an opportunity for T. 
Terrell will probably put out that four 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 parlay. Maybe you can. Yeah, I mean, if you get Duncan Robinson coming off the bench and he gets yeah. going, you got Herder already up there. Keegan Murray has, you know, been a little bit of a flamethrower from three. I think he's hit over two and a half in most of his games this year. So, yeah, this could be a fun little game. We'll have to look into that. Yeah. All right, let's keep it rolling here, guys. Next game on the schedule is going to be the Atlanta Hawks headed to Madison Square Garden to take on the New York Knicks. Seven thirty Eastern start in this game. Looking at the lines for this game. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks, uh, sorry, the New York Knicks opened up as a minus two and a half point favorite. Uh, that number has came down half a point to minus two in favor of the New York Knicks. Uh, total opened up at 228 and a half. Significant, significant move on the total here up to 233 and a half on the total over on win bet. Uh, money line minus 130 for the New York Knicks and plus 110 for the Atlanta Hawks. Um, looking at the injury report for both of these games, sorry, for these teams. Uh, Onyeke Okongwu, questionable, left shoulder uh, soreness for the Atlanta Hawks. Other than that, pretty clean for the Hawks. And then for the New York Knicks, Quentin Grimes, left foot soreness, and uh, Cam Reddish, um, non-COVID-related illness. Both of those guys are questionable for the New York Knicks. Um, Terrell, let me start with you on this game. The villain, Trey Young, headed to Madison Square Garden to take on the New York Knicks, where the Knicks are a two-point home favorite here against the Atlanta Hawks. What do you think? Uh, I mean, they're going to lie to Trey already. So just do it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like every, so I don't even want to give that out. Cause I feel like everybody's going to do it. Like, everybody knows Trey Young. I actually woke up this morning. I was scrolling through Twitter and it was some guys like trying to chastise a guy because uh, he gave out Trey Young points prop and they tried to say somebody else gave it out first. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? Everybody fucking knows to play Trey Young in fucking Madison Square Garden. Like, I invented it. Nobody ever <laughs> thought of picking Trey or against the Knicks. No yeah, it just sounds like everybody's trying to take the Soldier Boy approach and just saying that I was the first one to bet Trey Young in Madison Square Garden against the Knicks. Like, nobody fucking cares. Like, stop. God damn. <laughs> it's just annoying. Either way, back to this. Yes, Trey Young's probably going to go off because he always goes off against the Knicks. And if you want to hear the numbers, fine. Here are the numbers. He's gone over the number in the past four games in Madison Square Garden. Like he always he hates the Knicks. He likes he likes that energy. And I love the energy too. I hope he gives us 60. I hope he breaks the record for the most amount of points in the Guardian. I hope he does that. And so ultimately, I think I like the Knicks defense a little bit more. And I think that that potentially here could be the spot. I just think that this Atlanta team hasn't put it together the way that everybody thought they would in the season. And offensively, they're doing okay. And they're number nine in offensive rating. They're doing pretty all right. But defensively, they just can't get it done yet. They haven't gotten their rotation set. They haven't gotten the plan set. DeAndre Hunter and DeJounte Murray can't carry this entire team defensively. And until they get that issue solved, they're going to be pretty much around a 500 team for the most of the season because that's really, really big. They're never going to go on these long runs, these winning streaks, if they're not playing any defense. And so that's why I'm kind of on the Knicks here. These both teams run a pretty fast but slow pace. Like both of these teams can run it for both of these teams can slow the pace down. They don't both neither one turn the ball over much or force any other turnover. So I expect to see a pretty straightforward game here. Give me the New York Knicks just to get it done against this Hawks team. The Hawks kind of have their number recently. And I think this is one that the Knicks can go out there still. Scott. I like the Knicks in this spot, and I think the regular season, I'd say recent meetings have suggested that the Knicks are undervalued here because mm-hmm. besides the playoff series where the Hawks won in five, yeah. the Knicks have owned this team. 
in the past. Uh, to go through the meetings here, since the 2020-2021 season, the Knicks are 6-1 and one straight up against the Hawks, and each win has been by at least five points. So, yes, the Hawks did win the playoff series, the most important overall set of games there. Yep. But since then, the Knicks have circled this game on the calendar. And you can talk about how Trey's putting up big numbers and how he puts up these big stat lines. They've also lost basically every game he's done that in, in the regular season since the playoff series. I like the Knicks. We know the crowd's going to give it to Trey, but it's not even just a matter of whether or not the crowd actually impacts Trey or not. It's the atmosphere. It's the fact that the Knicks fans are going to take this game very seriously because of the Trey Young aspect of it. And I'm expecting a madhouse in MSG. So you're going to give me a crazy crowd. The Knicks have Brunson now, who I really like in this matchup. I think he could have a big game. Yeah. But I like the Knicks because from what I've seen the last two years, really since the playoff series, the Knicks have treated these head-to-head meetings a lot more seriously than the Hawks have. And I think that's going to pay off in this game. So I like the Knicks. I think they'll win this game by about five, maybe a bit more. I think you'd agree with me, Munaf, that the Knicks treat these head-to-head games a lot more seriously based on how the playoff series unfolded a couple of years ago. And I think that's good enough for me. I think the Knicks are too short. Yeah, and I think that's where this kind of has predicated, like this little rivalry, I think, between these two teams from that, you know, it was a 2021 playoff series where, you know, what we saw transpire, at least, you know, where we Atlanta won that. And and I think that dominated. Yeah, they dominated. dominated. And now it's kind of turned into a little rivalry here between these two teams. But 100% agree with you guys. I think that there's a lot of more questions right now for this Atlanta Hawks team. Um, especially scoring the basketball, right? It's Trey Young, it's Jonte Murray, and it's a question of who's going to step up next for the Atlanta Hawks. And defensively, right now, through the first six to seven games here, Atlanta Hawks ranked number 24 as far as defensive rating. And they have a net uh, net rate net rating of minus 1.2 so far this season, where the New York Knicks are slightly above at 2.1. But I think that defensively, th- this Atlanta Hawks team is just isn't there for me right now. And you kind of take a look and shoot. Yeah, the, yeah, and that's another thing, right? They're missing Bogdanovich in big ways, but even when he does come back, he's still a defensive liability for this Atlanta Hawks team. And I think right now this Knicks team is deeper than this Atlanta Hawks team is right now. I think Trey is going to go out and do his thing, but I think that right now the more scoring balance with R.J. Barrett, Jalen Brunson, you know, Julius Randle, I think those guys will get it done here tonight. I love this minus two. I feel like the public will be on the Hawks here at the at that underdog price. But I think there's some crazy stat, and I should have confirmed this before we came on. But when Atlanta loses um, the game straight up, I think they're like 39 and or 0 and 39 against the spread. Yeah, so they don't they cover. Yeah, they don't cover. So I think there's another spots yeah. where Hawks will come. Sorry, the Knicks will come out and take a take care of business, and it may be my margin by margin as well. So if you feel that confident about the Knicks here tonight, maybe you know take some more alt spreads as well as that minus two, like we hear tonight, like we like in this game here tonight. Wanted to also mention the total in this game, guys. I like the Knicks team total in this game as well. Both these teams have been trending towards the over so far this season, where New York is four one and one to the over through the first six games. Atlanta five two five and two to the over. So both at I know very small sample, but both trending at seventy plus percent uh, towards the over so far this season. You guys have any thoughts on that, Scott? I'll start with you on that total. It seems very high at first glance because people immediately think of Thibodeau being a defensive-minded head coach and how it's crazy that you have a game in the 230s. Not this year's team. <laughs> I'm going with the over as well. Uh, they got into a shootout with the Hornets. I think that that's enough to be said, right? I, yeah. I mean, I'm going to lean to the over. The Hawks still can't really guard me one. Uh, offensively, the issue is they can't really shoot. So the question is, if Trey Young has an off game, can they get enough support 
to actually score a decent amount of points. That's really the question mark that I have with this Hawks team. Yeah. You're hoping Murray can definitely still have a good game if Trey does not. But I think I have to link to the over, at least for the Knicks team total. So I agree with you on that angle. If the Knicks are going to win, they're not going to get slowed down by Atlanta. So I like the team total over for the Knicks as well. Terrell, any thoughts on the total? Yeah, no, I'm going over. Both of these teams are one of the two best over teams in the league. Knicks are, I believe, what, five and one to the over mm-hmm. and five and two for the uh, Atlanta Hawks there. Yeah. So, I mean, this this Knicks team has been putting up points. They've been putting up points all season. They are, oh, I had the number in front of me, 117.8 points per game. That's fifth in the NBA. And then the Hawks are not too far behind them at 116 and 13th in the NBA. I think both of these teams put up points. It's Madison Square Garden. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think that this is, you know, one of the games that is probably – I don't think it's on TV. This isn't on TV, is it? No, it is it's for not. me locally, but it's, it's on, not on well, Yeah. It's on Yeah, NBA no. Basketball. Yeah, not I think national. this is – I think this is one of those games that's going to be really fun to watch, and it's going to be a lot of points scored. Uh, so, yeah, I'm on it over here. All right, uh, let's get over to the next game of the night. It's going to be the Charlotte Hornets. Sorry, I actually wanted yeah. to uh, plug one thing here uh, yeah, for player ahead. props. Yeah, I was about big to say I had a prop too. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm a big fan of Capella tonight. Yeah, and oh, are you? I'm, I'm, I am. I'm looking at the numbers here, and it's mostly because Okongwu might not play. Right. And we know that Capella's numbers have been pretty underwhelming this year in general because he's splitting his minutes with Okongwu. But yeah. since you look at the overall roster, and what their center depth is. You have Capella, you have a Kongwu who might not be in the lineup. That's basically it. You have Kaminsky. Like, I don't think Kaminsky's going to play many minutes in this game. So you're looking at what his rebounding number is. It's around 10 and a half. It has been boosted. But you can find Capella 14 plus rebounds at like plus 350. Mm. If he's going to play 30, 35 minutes in this game, we know Mitchell Robinson can't shoot. So Capella's going to be in the paint no matter what. I think Capella might be in line for a very good game rebounding-wise because he no longer has somebody who's really cutting his minutes in half. So I like Capella overs tonight. I think he's going to have a pretty decent game since he should have a lot of workload, assuming, of course, Akung was out of the lineup. Uh, Terrell, you say you also had a prop as well? Yeah, no, I was on Capella, but I was actually fating Capella, and I was fating his points, oh. his under nine and a half points. We both could win. So Yeah, yeah, we both could very well win. And it's the reason is that Capella is the type of center that the Knicks play really well against. Uh, to start this season, the Knicks are second fewest points to the center position. But if you go and you look at this a little bit further, the only centers that are scoring points in them are those stretch centers, those centers that can stretch the floor, shoot on the outside, or even threaten to shoot on the outside and then catch you off the dribble and take one to the rim. And where Capella, you're you're just seeing Capella inside the paint. So if I'm taking Clint Capella versus Mitchell Robinson inside the paint, I'm taking Mitchell Robinson every single time. And so... Could be a little bit of foul trouble there. Could be anything. I I didn't know about a Congo, so that does make me a little little bit nervous for that under. But Capella's been under this number in four of the seven games he's played this season. I'm not too too worried. Under nine and a half points for Clint Capella. I'm hoping for oh. a Gobert game from last night where he yeah. ends up getting rebounds, but he attempts one shot in the entire game, and he ends up with like. Four points and 17 rebounds. That's good enough yeah. for me. Give me like Sounds a Reggie right. Evans stat line. That works for me. There we go. Uh, all right, let's get over to the next game of the night. Eight o'clock Eastern start. It's going to be the Charlotte Hornets in Chicago to take on the Bulls. Uh, this line opened up at, let's see here, minus six for the Chicago Bulls. That number has been bet down to minus five. 
for the Chicago Bulls over on WinBet. Total open up at 228.5. That number is currently sitting at 223. Uh, money line for this game. I'm currently seeing the Bulls are minus 210 on the money line and plus 174, the Charlotte Hornets. Looking at the injury report for both of these teams, let's start with the Charlotte Hornets here. Uh, we know LaMelo Ball is out uh, with the left ankle injury. Cody Martin, doubtful for tonight, left quad soreness. Uh, Terry Rozier, also doubtful for tonight as he's dealing with the right ankle sprain. Uh, one, uh, sorry, no report submitted yet for the Chicago Bulls, but I believe Zach Levine will miss the game tonight. I think they said yesterday that he will play against the Brooklyn Nets as he did last night, and then tonight he will sit out for that uh, knee management or injury uh, load management for his knee. So expecting no Zach Levine, but everybody else should be a go in this game, hopefully for the Chicago Bulls. But uh, Terrell, let me start with you on this game for the Chicago Bulls as a minus five-point home favorite here hosting the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, I am I I'm Charlotte has been better. I don't know why Charlotte has been better, but Charlotte and well, no, I do know why Charlotte's been better. Charlotte's been better because of the fact that they don't have to pigeonhole touches through LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier. And that's the reason that the offense has looked a lot better. Is they've been able to pass the ball flowingly. I think at one point, at halftime of that game last time against the Kings, they had all five starters in double figures at half. And then I think there was also, I think there was a bench player. I think Jaden McDaniels was in double figures at half as well. But five starters at half with double figures. They've just been able to spread the ball around and get the ball to whoever the open guy is. And that doesn't normally happen with LaMelo and Terry Rozier in the lineup. Uh, on a back to back, I Charlotte's been pretty good defending the three this year, but you know, Chicago doesn't really shoot three that often. Neither one of these teams really shoot three that often. Um, I'm just gonna take the points in the five and a half with the Bulls on a back to back, but and just say that the Bulls get a win, but it's something close, a little bit closer than anybody would expect, especially with the Hornets missing their top guys. But yeah, I don't really like this game at all. I'll throw this out there that uh, the Chicago Bulls have been in back-to-back situations twice this season. Uh, And on that second game of the back-to-back, this was back on October 22nd against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Bulls lost that game 128-96. And then on on Saturday against the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, they also went out to lose that game 114-109. So not uh, at least, again, very, very small sample here with early on in the season. But so far, 0-2. Uh, straight up, and then they've lost by uh, margin against the Cavs, and then they lost that game by five against the Philadelphia 76ers. So uh, maybe something to keep in mind. But, Scott, uh, what are your thoughts on this game between the Hornets and the Bulls? So like Terrell, I have a hard time fully evaluating Charlotte because they should be awful on paper, but they're actually a mediocre basketball team based on the overall roster right now. I'm taking the Hornets money one. I think it's a great spot. I think that you can make a serious argument. You mentioned that Chicago and back-to-backs has not been great this season. They beat the Nets. I know the Nets aren't a good team right now, but if you want to talk around the league, you get to say you beat Kyrie and KD. It's a pretty good feeling, I think, for the Bulls, especially with that comeback they had in the fourth quarter where Levine scored 20 and outscored the Nets by himself in the fourth. But since you played in Brooklyn, you beat a Brooklyn team that was supposed to be a very good team entering the season, and Mm -hmm. now you travel back to face off against the Charlotte team you're not exactly excited about. Mm -hmm. It's a prime letdown candidate spot for me. I like Charlotte Moneyline. Charlotte had the disappointing closing game or the final quarter against the 
Kings in a game they probably should have won. They kind of fell apart down the stretch there. But I do think the Hornets are a pretty underrated team based on how they've played so far. They've been competitive so far this season, which has been a bit shocking. But mm. I think if you're talking about a good spot to take a team that has some value as an underdog against a favorite that might be you know, a little bit fat and happy from what happened yesterday, I think this is the spot. I'm taking Hornets money line. Yeah, I was looking at the numbers here. Um, I know Chicago, we talked about a lot of the teams that are not very good at defending a three-point shot, and Chicago is one of those teams as well this season. Um, they are number 26 out of 30 teams in opponent three-point uh, makes allowed per game at 14.3. They're also allowing an opponent three-point uh, percentage, which is at 42.5, which ranks number 29 out of 30 teams. In that same category, Charlotte, the best team defending the three-point line. And I know Chicago doesn't get up a lot of three-point shots, but mm-hmm. I think something to mention as well. They're only allowing about 10.6 uh, makes per game. And like I mentioned, only 30% from the three-point line as well, which is both top five in the entire league. So maybe look at some three-point shot props here tonight. Kelly Oubre probably out there. Uh, P.J. Washington, I know he can knock them down as well for uh, the Charlotte Hornets team. I think that may be some that maybe the difference here tonight, where Charlotte's able to knock down some three point shots and they, you know, create separation that way. But I love the spot here for the Charlotte Hornets as well. We talked about it back to back situations early on in the season have been very kind. Prime leg down spot after you did be, beat a Brooklyn Nets team as well. Uh, so I'm on the Hornets here as well at plus uh, five. Uh, in a half in this game. Um, Captain Sano in the chat, he likes uh, Vucevic rebounds. He's asking. Oh, I think DeMar DeRozan, I would lean towards over. Yeah, you have no Levine Uh, in the lineup. Yeah, no Levine I can't trust not uh, taking a a DeRozan points under. Now, Vucevic, I'm... uh, It's Plumlee. Yeah, it's Plumlee. Come on. Like, it's Plumlee. Will Barton and Mason Plumlee are on my starting roster. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, let me see if I can find Shane that Battier number. in there for me. <laughs> uh, let me see if I can find Fuck the Shane rebounding Battier. numbers. Well, what's the beef with Shane Battier? He's just fucking lame. <laughs> He's just lame. I mean, I don't, I don't like Duke, I don't like Duke at all. I've always rooted for North Carolina, but Shane yeah. Battier was one of my favorite role players in like the last no. five years of his career. And the one NBA Finals game with the Heat, I feel like he kind of cemented his NBA career. You know, nah, fuck but Shane Battier. Shane I, Battier. I, I always kind of liked him. He gives uh, to, uh, he gives Russell Wilson wives. That, okay, I, I can get behind that. I mean, he was <laughs> one of my favorite role players behind like Tony Allen. I was always a big Tony Allen guy. All if you right. say uh, you say like JJ Reddick, I'd be like, all right, like you know, all right, we cool with JJ. Shay Batty ain't ah oh, fuck him. All right. <laughs> any thoughts on the total here, guys? At two twenty three, then I know we mentioned player props, but if you have any, Scott, you want to give out, and then thoughts on the total here. I think I'm going to lean to the under. I don't feel great about it. It's a back-to-back spot. No Levine, and Chicago tends to play a bit slow. So I do think you'll end up seeing a lower-scoring game here. Maybe some tired legs in the second half for Chicago. A couple of short jump shots, stuff like that. Uh, My main play here, though, is just going to be Charlotte Moneyline. I think that it's a very good spot to take a team that should be a lot more motivated for this game. You think the Bulls really care about beating the Hornets after they just beat the Nets on the road yesterday? Like, I think that they're going to basically be checked out mentally for this matchup. I think they kind of no-show the game. So you mentioned the Uber three-pointers. You mentioned a couple of angles there. I don't mind it. If Charlotte's going to win, they're going to need to shoot well. I don't mind Gordon Hayward potentially having a decent game here for Charlotte because he is one Mm -hmm. of the main pieces of this offense. But as for actual props, no, I'm going to stay away from the prop market. I think I'm just expecting the Hornets to surprise some people and win again. Terrell, do you have any thoughts on the total and then uh, player props? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll give a lean to the under here, and it's just more of this Hornets defense has been, and credit to Steve Clifford, the defense has been better. Granted, all the players that just have completely said we're not playing defense are not in the lineup. So, of course, the defense is going to be better. Like when you have guys like Dennis Smith Jr. who knows he's fighting for a roster spot when Rozier and LaMelo Ball come back. He's definitely going to be more locked into the defensive end. So I think they just got a couple of dogs out there that are looking to prove themselves and lock in a little bit more defensively. So I like an under here for, you know, both sides, both teams to play a little bit higher efficiency on defense and uh, prop wise, I mean, I, I just I have a hard time saying that DeRozan doesn't get the work. Like he's gonna take the shots. He's gonna take yeah. the shots. And if you yeah. give me the workload, I'm assuming he's gonna get over that 24 and a half. So I really do like DeRozan here. And uh, give me some PJ Washington. I think that this is a pretty fun, good matchup for PJ Washington. He's been uh, really stepping over that scoring workload, and he typically does do that when Lamelo Ball and Miles Bridges, we'll go ahead and say his name, Miles Bridges isn't in the lineup, is normally falling on P.J. Washington to kind of help supplement that scoring workload. And so, yeah, give me P.J. Washington points over in this one. I like him to have a good game here. All right. Uh, before we keep it rolling here, let me tell you guys about our presenting sponsor, Win. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards on WinBet. Be on the lookout for the WinBet Win Hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. During WinBet Win Hour, marquee games of the week will have better odds on WinBet, giving you a larger payout opportunity. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays, live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100 and win $100. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. So they know that we sent you that sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-I-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offer subject to change terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 years or older and present in a state where play-through winbet is available. If you're someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And the Sports Gambling Podcast is giving you a chance to win your choice of either an autographed Lawrence Taylor or autographed Brian Dawkins jersey. Contest is completely free to enter. All you have to do is subscribe to youtube.com slash sports gambling podcast. Two, comment on a video. Each new video is a new chance to win and turn on your notifications so you don't miss when SGP is contacting you when they pull the winner. All right, gentlemen, let's keep it rolling here. The next game on the schedule is going to be the Los Angeles uh, Clippers headed down to the H to take on the Houston Rockets, 8 o'clock Eastern start. Um, the lines for this game, I'm currently seeing the Clippers opened up as a five and a half point road favorite here. That number has been bet up to minus six. Uh, currently seeing the total at 223. That number is uh, down a tick to 222 and a half in this game. Money lines for this game, I'm currently seeing the Clippers at minus 230 and plus 190 for the Houston Rockets. Looking at the injury report for both of these teams, uh, Jay Sean Tate is going to be out for the Houston Rockets. He's dealing with a sore right ankle. Also, Ty Ty Washington is dealing with a sprained left knee. For the Los Angeles Clippers, Robert Covington is going to miss this game. He's in the health and safety protocols. Kawhi Leonard, we know he's going to be out for a couple more games as well, but everybody else is a go for the Houston, sorry, for the LA Clippers. Paul George, John Wall, all those guys are in this game. 
Scott, let me start with you on this game. Currently, the Clippers are a minus six-point road favorite against the Houston Rockets, where they barely pulled off the victory uh, on a couple of jump shots by Paul George down the stretch, 95-93 in the last game. But we're about right back at it here with the Clippers as a six-point road favorite against the Houston Rockets. What are you thinking? So I hit my lock the last time these teams played. I had the Clippers team total under, and I basically dared the Clippers to do anything offensively. I gave it out on YouTube last night at around 113.5. It's up to 115.5. I don't know what the hell people were thinking. This <laughs> offense stinks. Like I, I don't know why there's over money coming in on the Clippers because you mentioned Covington being out. That wasn't even news at the time. So mm-hmm. you have a, you've had a two-point line move, and Covington is one of their better three-point shooting role men, uh, role players, I think we can say that. So yeah. I don't really understand it. The Clippers have a lot of volume guys with Kawhi being out, and three of their top five overall shot attempt takers are shooting below 44%. Reggie Jackson can't shoot right now. Powell can't shoot right now. And Paul George was unbelievable in the first meeting where he had 35 points, took over the fourth quarter. This season, he's shooting around 43%. They don't have many efficient shooters on the team. I know Morris is shooting about 51%. That's basically it. And Zubak, who's a center, is going to only take layups and, you know, et cetera. But still, I'm going to be on the team total under for the Clippers. They are undefeated towards the team total under. We just saw them score 95 against the Rockets, and Paul George went nuts. They still couldn't even reach 100. Give me the Clippers team total under. I don't know what we're doing here. This team is a bad offensive team. Look. The bottom three teams as far as offensive rating, number 28, Houston Rockets, number 29, LA Clippers, number 30, Los Angeles uh, Lakers. So, yeah, you're right. I think that this number is a little inflated, especially for the team total for the Clippers. But I don't get it. Why did it go up two points? I don't understand the line move at all. Yeah, and I think same thing for the Rockets as well. Like I mentioned, watching this team offensively, they just kind of look lost out there. And they just don't have that identity right now on the offensive side of the basketball. So I agree about the team total on the uh, Clippers. I, I like the full game under this game as well. I'm not sure where I want to go with the side. If, if I had to make a I'm pick out, Houston at home. Yeah, I would lean Houston as the home underdog here. I like taking those home dogs, um, especially when the other team just can't put a point. So um, Rockets for me uh, lean, but I do love the full game under this game. Terrell, what are you thinking about this game? I can't believe people are still out here betting Clippers show. Like, I, I, I don't know. I have no idea. That same total is an absolute lock. Like, they still haven't gotten over the number this season. Like, they still have not gotten over that number this season. And now you – I understand what we thought the Clippers would be in the beginning of the season, and I wouldn't even say everybody. Like, there's still speculation that we even were like, all right, I mean, they should. They have a loaded roster, but they're not healthy. You can't do anything. And this team's not healthy. They're not healthy. Has Kawhi played multiple games this season yet? He's like, played two games, and he's played 21 minutes in each of those games. But he's missed the last, I think, five. I mean, you're, just, you're, you're sitting people left and right. You're not getting any type of continuity with that rotation. Like, people don't know what their rotation is. It just seems like Tyron Lue is just like, all right, well, who's available? Okay, all right, send him out there. Like, there's no thought process or no anything towards the rotation in this team. And they were very well could have lost that game. Like very, yeah. very well could have lost that game if the Rockets were a little bit of a better team. And honestly, if they, they just fouled, the if they just fouled the game. They should have lost. They, sh- they should have just fouled. I mean, they were up. What they were up three. And when Paul George yeah. hit that three to tie the game, if they if they just took a foul and just played a cheap way of getting out there with a win, then they would have been pretty all right and made a foul game at the end. So, I mean, I don't know. 
the number is shorter. Thank God it's shorter because if they gave me even eight, I would have absolutely put everything on it at that point. So you're making me question it a little bit with five, but I'm not even guaranteed that they can go into Houston and get a win. And, you know, I definitely don't think they're putting up points doing it. So, yeah, give me Houston plus five. I'll take a plus sprinkle six. on Houston's money line. Plus six. Plus yeah. six. I'll take a sprinkle on Houston's money line as well. And, you know, I'm definitely playing that team total under for the Clippers. We're just going to keep playing until they decide to actually score points. Yeah. Uh, any player props you guys like in this game? Uh, Scott, I'll start with you. Uh, for player props, I'll be back on Zubak double-double. Houston okay. can't rebound the ball. Zubak did well against them the first time around. The points might be a little bit iffy, but I think we'll get there at some point. Zubak double-double has really been an underrated gem for the season because the Clippers, with the stagnant offense, have played more in the half court. Zubak gets touches. He's been one of the most consistent guys that they've actually had since a lot of their outside shooters have not shot the ball well this season. So Zubak double-double is where I'm looking. You look at the Rockets' offensive line, just the overall lineup, and you're using Jabari Smith, who's been hit or miss, but he really has not been great at rebounding the ball this season. He's, he's, I've actually been very disappointed with his rebounding 6. so far. 6.4. It's not great for a guy who's basically playing makeshift center because Shengun was also out for a decent portion. And Shengun is undersized for a center. So I like Zubak on the double-double uh, rebounds over. I think he could have a good game here for the Clippers. Well, any player props to go for this game? Yeah, where we're talking about rebounds, I'm going to just go back to it and give me Kevin Porter Jr. over his rebounds prop. I'm trying to find the number. It's been short the past few games. And um, let me see here. I think it was at five and a half the past few games. We'll see if they moved it up to six and a half. They have Kevin Porter. Yeah, still sitting here at five and a half and minus. 111 and he's averaging 6.4 rebounds per game he's tied for the third best rebounder on the team and if fernando is still not going in this game he he has shown that he is willing to go to the rim and go out there and get those defensive rebounds keep it going you look at his uh games this season he's got seven five five ten five six eight five he's been around this number every single game and the only time he's fallen short is when he's been at five so yeah if you want to, you know, make it a parlay piece and get a prop that has a hundred percent hit rate, bring it down to four and a half. You'll probably get a pretty, still pretty decent number in that. But yeah, no, I'm taking Kevin Porter Jr.'s over five and a half rebounds. He's been willing to go to the rim and get the ball off the rim, so I'm taking. He's also been getting the steals and uh, rebounds. I don't think the market has finally adjusted to it right now because it's at one and a half at minus one fifty. But I do like that call about his rebounding uh, for this game, or you know, overall until the market does adjust for uh, Kevin Porter Jr. Um, all right, let's keep it moving here, guys. The next game on the schedule is going to be eight o'clock Eastern start. The Detroit Pistons headed to or in Milwaukee to take on the Bucks. Uh, currently, this number opened up for the Bucks at minus. Mm, minus 11. Yeah, that number's up to minus 11 and a half over on win bet. Uh, total was opened up at 224. That number's been bet down a point to 223. Uh, these two teams did match up earlier this week where the Bucks were able to pull off a short victory there, uh, squeak it out, 110-108. They were dominating in that first half, but the Pistons did come back and make it a game in that fourth quarter and nearly got the victory there. But Right back at it here with the Bucks as a 12-point uh, home favorite here. Total, like I mentioned, is sitting at 223. Uh, Terrell, let me start with you on this game. The Bucks laying 12 points, the only undefeated team left in the NBA. What are you thinking about this game? 
Yeah, I think this game is the one where the Bucks just go ahead and train wreck over the Pistons. Last game was the game. Like last week, last game was the game, and that was the get up game for the Pistons. And they were like, hey, we always get crap by the Bucks. We come in here, go out here, play well, get a win. And they they tried to make it a game towards the end of the game. And the Bucks ended up doing what the Bucks doing, going out there, get a win. I think that this is the absolute complete train wreck of a game. And you know, that was that was the chance. And we saw this same thing happen when they had a back-to-back set against the Hawks, the Pistons. They had that first game where they made it close, and, you know, that was their their really good effort. And then that next game, they actually got steamrolled. So I'm going with the same thing here. I, Dwayne Casey, more and more and more and more is making me question him more and more and more. If I didn't already, making me question him more and more and more as a coach. And that's what my challenge was to him this year. Is he going to find a way to make Kate Cunningham and Jay Nivey work and put together all these really good pieces that he has? And so far, I just don't see it translating over to wins. I think they get steamrolled by the Bucks today. This is a big Giannis game today. I'll take the Bucks laying a big number. Yeah, I, uh, I like the Bucks early in this game, especially in that first quarter. You kind of take a look at the spread numbers here for uh, six Bucks and oh. teams. Yeah, Bucks six and zero oh so far this season. Uh, I saw that no, in the first team. quarter. In the yeah, first, first quarter. quarter. Six and oh. Yeah, first quarter. Yeah, six and zero oh are the Bucks, and then the Pistons are one and seven in the first quarter against the spread. So um, I think that you're right. I think that I, the, the Pistons are a, a they're 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 they make it a game that second half, but. I'm gonna, I'm comfortable with taking the Bucks early in this game. I know they had an eight point lead at the half in that first game or the the matchup earlier on Monday, and they kind of let them back in that game. So I'm I'm looking at it, you know, attacking the first quarter for the Milwaukee Bucks, and then also the first half for the Milwaukee Bucks as well. Um, let me get your thoughts. I did have a couple of player props in this game as well, but let's start with the start uh, the spread with you, Scott. What are you thinking about this game? So for this one, I am going to lean to Detroit. I think even though Milwaukee is going to Milwaukee's going to win the game. I'm not picking Detroit to win the game, but I do think a lot of stuff went right for the Bucks and they still barely won the game and it's some of it's based on just overall motivation. Detroit's going to get up for this game, chance to beat one of their not even just best teams in the league, one of their somewhat geographic rivals because you know Milwaukee's close to Detroit. Sure. But still, I do think if you want to look at how the first meeting played out, Milwaukee got big contributions from Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez. Holiday went for 25 and 10. Lopez went for 24 and 9. And Giannis still scored 31. And Detroit hung around. So I think that a lot of stuff still went right for Milwaukee. And yet Detroit was playing competitive basketball down the stretch. Boyan was very good. You ended up having Cade, who was great. I know he missed the three-pointer at the end, but he was still solid. I think it's too many points because I'm concerned that Milwaukee is going to do exactly what you said they're going to do, which is get out to an early lead and then take its foot off the gas. So I'm a little bit concerned about laying this big of a number for a full game. I don't mind Milwaukee first quarter or first half. Uh, To mention Dwayne Casey, I think that after Nash got fired, he should be the favorite to be the next coach fired. I think he's a bad coach. I think that Detroit, if they're expecting a youth movement and to actually progress – Losing a bunch of games is not progressing. I think Dwayne Casey's probably going to be the next guy fired. They want to get a younger guy in to grow with the players, and I think Dwayne Casey's too caught in his own ways. So that's kind of a separate prop I'm looking at. Maybe Dwayne Casey, next coach, fired. But for this matchup, I'll lean Detroit. I'm not expecting 49 points from Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez again, and I think Detroit can match up decently if they can shoot the three ball relatively well. Give me Detroit to hang around, maybe cover through the back door, but I think this spread's a little bit too high. I'm going to lean to Detroit. Uh, any thoughts on the total here, Scott, while we're at it? 
Uh, for the total, I really don't have many thoughts. I guess I'm leaning to the under. Okay. It's tricky because both teams were so bad from three in the last mm. meeting. Detroit mm-hmm. went eight of 29, which is 27.6%. Mm-hmm. And Milwaukee was 11 for 40, which is 27.5%. So both teams really shot the ball horribly. But I think I'm leaning to the under anyway. Okay. I, I don't really have a strong opinion on the total, though. Uh, Terrell, thoughts on the total? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to... Oh, I, I slight, very, very slight lean to the under here. Very, very slightly. Right. I do think both of these teams shoot better, especially Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee shoots a lot better. I'm expecting to see some more Grayson Allen in this game. He only was two for four, one for three from three. And that's just can't happen. If you're Milwaukee, like that is your three point shooter. That is the guy that you want to get the ball to. And so I'm expecting to see more Grayson Allen in this one. And, just more willingness of Milwaukee to step back from three and be able to drain them a lot more of them. So I think that the scoring is going to be a lot more, maybe not to the tune where this still gets over. Cause I think that this is still a, you know, a route by Milwaukee, Milwaukee giving up one away to Detroit is not going to be a, you know, regular thing. I think Detroit is definitely here more into the nineties in this game. So maybe a Detroit team total under defense locks in a little bit more on Detroit and Milwaukee does about the same as what it did scoring mode, scoring load last time. Yeah, I'd probably lean towards the under in this game as well. A couple of player props I was looking at this game. Number one, uh Bogdanovich over 18 and a half points. Um he's he's the second leading scorer on this team. He's like fractionally behind uh Kate Cunningham. He he's got had- an extension, right? Yeah, he's got a two-year extension with them as well, um, did uh, Bogdanovich. So I think that, you know, we kind of take a look at his number. He's averaging, I think, around 23 points per game. Sorry, 22.8 points per game. He had 23 in his last matchup against the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, and he's had at least um, 21 or more points in five straight games uh, against or in, in, the, in, in his games that he's played in. So at 18 and a half, I think that number is still a little conservative. I don't think the market has caught up to that. So that's one player prop I was looking at in this game. Uh, Bogdanovich to go over 18 and a half points. He's shooting about 50 plus percent from the field and 51 percent from three point line as well. So um, that's a player prop I was looking at. You guys have any player props, Scott? Start with you uh, in this game. I do think Giannis plays a lot better. I don't mind the points and rebounds. I think he could go nuclear here. It wouldn't exactly surprise me. One thing that's interesting about Giannis is that what I've noticed in the last couple games, it seems like he really is passive in the first quarter and a half. And then second half, he tries to drop 30 points. I don't know if you noticed the same thing, but it seems like Giannis points props maybe stay away from pregame and jump in after the first quarter because he really tries to get his teammates involved early on. And then he takes over in the second half. It's kind of LeBronish from what I've seen. We know LeBron did that for a couple of years where he would just feel the defense out, get his teammates involved. And then when push came to shove after halftime, all right, now it's time for me to get mine. So I think if you want to look for a live Giannis points prop, I think okay. it's probably a good way of saving a couple points. Uh, Terrell, any player props you like? Yeah, I'm going to just go back to Grayson Allen here. And okay. see, so hate Jim Battier, but you'll like Grayson Allen. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know. I I really actually don't like Grayson Allen, <laughs> to be honest. But he's finding where the money is. That's what it okay, is. Fair yeah, the, and the money feels like it's with Grayson Allen today. So look, Grayson Allen has had an up and down season, and I'll say that his season started off bad because shooting percentage wise, he was terrible. He was like three for 30 percent, something like that, in the first couple of games. But he was getting the volume that he was hitting over his points prop and. 
and taking the amount of threes needed to hit his threes prop. They just weren't hitting. And then he finally has a good game. He dropped 17, 60% from the field, four for six from three, and they stopped going to him for the next couple of games. So I think that's a difference in, you know, what he's able to contribute, how much this team looks, because that you know they don't go to the bench for much scoring at all as Bobby Portis and then really nobody else. So Grayson Allen has to have a really good game in that starting lineup. You're giving me 10 and a half points. I kind of like that, but you're giving me Grayson Allen two and a half threes at plus 118. I like that. If they give him yeah. the volume, he gets back to those six three-point games that he was taking earlier in the season. I like him to come out there and hit at least three if he's taking six or seven per game. So, yeah, I'll take Grayson Allen over two and a half threes at plus 118. All right. Uh, all right, let's keep it moving here, guys. Next game on the schedule, four games left. We've got the Toronto Raptors in Texas to take on the San Antonio Spurs. It's going to be an 8 o'clock Eastern start for this game. Looking at the lines, uh, the Toronto Raptors opened up as an eight-point favorite. That number has been bent down to minus seven uh, in this game. Total opened up at 225.5. That number has been bent down to 224. Uh, looking at the injury report for this team or for this game, let's start with the Toronto Raptors here. Um Pretty clean. Otto Porter Jr. is probable for tonight. The big questionable tag is going to be uh, Fred Van Vliet, who has back uh, stiffness and a lower back uh, issue. Spurs uh, did just see a note come across that Kelvin Johnson is, in fact, going to be out for this game for the uh, San Antonio Spurs. Also, Isaiah Roby is questionable. Jeremy Soshan is questionable with flu-like symptoms. Devin Vassell has already been ruled out. So your top two scorers for this game have, uh, for the Spurs have already been ruled out in Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell. Um, Josh Richardson will play. And I'm reading this off of my phone because it just came across. And Isaiah Roby has also been ruled out for this game as well for the San Antonio Spurs. Um, and Jeremy So So Shan, and I've heard different pronunciations, but he is actually going to be in for this game. So um, just to recap, Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, and Isaiah Roby out. And Jeremy Sochan is going to be in for the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, Scott, let me start with you on this game for the Raptors as a seven-point road favorite here against the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, what are you thinking for this game? So even though the Spurs have been a very good story so far this season, and even though I do like Heldon Johnson, I like Yaka Pertle, I do think they have some pieces that are worth something, at least on the trade market. But I like Toronto here. I think Toronto's the much better team. And we, it kind of dates back to what we saw in the playoffs last year where they were almost on the verge of coming back against Philly. I know Van Vliet's banged up, and it might sound like a hot take. Are we sure Toronto's not better when Van Vliet's out of the lineup? Um, Just going to throw it out there. Yeah, I mean, it's a possibility. I mean, we don't know what the extent of the injury, especially when you're dealing with a back injury. Uh, for well, we saw in the playoffs, we saw a, a compromised Van Vliet, and he sure. tried to play through it, and he was awful. And then yeah. he got benched because he was hurt. And then Toronto actually looked good, and we saw it. He was awful against the Sixers, 0 for 11 from the floor. Didn't play against the Hawks. They won by 30. I think Toronto right now is better with Van Vliet out of the lineup because he's battling some injury, and he's clearly going to be compromised. I don't think Van Vliet's going to play. I don't okay. know why he would play. He won by 30 last game. Like, there's no point in rushing back Van Vliet. Give me Toronto. I think they bury this, the Spurs here. The Spurs defensively really match up horribly against the Raptors. They have a lot of scoring depth. They have a lot of versatility defensively. I think Toronto wins this game going away. Give me the Raptors by double digits. Uh, Terrell, on the side here, Raptors minus 
Yeah, I can't back them with no Vassell, no Kelton Johnson. I, I just can't find it in me to back the Spurs in this spot. And it's really more of the defensive intensity of the Raptors, what they're able to do. Yeah, without Fred Van Fleet. Fred Van Fleet, as he is right now, he is bad for this team. He needs to sit down, rest up, get healthy. A healthy Fred Van Fleet, I love him for this team, but a hurt Fred Van Fleet and whatever's going on with, I think it's the back, did you say it was? It's or, a back issue, yeah. Yeah, so – that that's he's just not comfortable and he's not getting into the stroke of his shots he's not getting to the rim how he wants to so yeah just sit him down sit him down rest him and do what you do with the roster that you got now so i'm i'm going with the raptors here i think that this is a route by the raptors i just i don't know where well i know where some of the scoring is going to come from i think some of the scoring for the spurs is going to come from uh if he's playing josh richardson is there any word on it yeah he's playing yeah so yeah, so Josh Richardson, I think that I'm going to have fun with Josh Richardson props tonight, and I think that he's a guy that can really exploit some of the holes in that Toronto defense and just be that one person. If not, maybe somebody else can emerge as somebody that can put up maybe 20 points in this game. So, yeah, I like Josh Richardson tonight, but I'm still rolling with the Raptors minus seven. Apparently the Spurs are possibly not tanking for Victor. They're five and two this so far this season. They're sitting first in the Southwest Division. I know it's only seven games so far, but they've won three out of their last four games. Uh, I think Scott, you and I talked about this. It was against the Minnesota Timberwolves, but um, I think you have a way better team with the Toronto Raptors coming to town. Where I think that again, you're missing Kelvin Johnson, who's averaging 24 points per game for you, who's going to be out. And I also said is, that is um, he officially out? I see him as questionable. Is he officially out for? This I game? did. Yeah, I see a note that came across that told me that he was officially ruled out. I'm just saying, if you're missing him and you're missing Vessel, what the hell do you have? You mentioned Josh Richardson, and I understand he can shoot a little bit. Josh Richardson? Really? I mean, he's bounced around the league. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's not He's not enough to bring them no win at all. For That's sure. what I'm he's saying. just somebody so, that – he's a pure bucket. Like, he's a guy that can go out there and score. And if we talk about laddering props and who is that guy yeah. that is going to go off that nobody that has a low prop and you can get some pretty juicy numbers at 20, maybe 25 points, it's Richardson. But for the most well, the point part – is, if you're talking about Josh Richardson being a focal point of an offense for a team in a game – that means you're automatically expecting them to lose by like 15. <laughs> like there's no way that Josh Richardson would be mentioned yeah. in the same breath if this game was supposed to be competitive. I, if Johnson is out, this line should move to like 10. I think Keldon's actually that valuable for this team with Vessel out. Yeah. Toronto might win this game by 20. I think they bury the Spurs in this matchup. Yeah. Uh, and we did mention that who's going to score, but you guys any like player props for the Raptors side or any other player props you may be looking at in this game? Uh, Scott? Am, I ro- am I wrong for kind of liking Siakam triple double? No, no, no. He's definitely, but again, he's, it's a, it's a blowout potential as well, right? I know, but I'm just saying, I, if he ended up with like 18, t- like 11 and 10, like something like that, I, I think that's reasonable. I'm trying to find what the price is, though, and I'm not sure if it's worth it based on the price. Uh, do you have a price in front of you for a triple double? Uh, here, I, I have the screen. I'll give you one second here. Um, triple double. Not sure it'll be released yet. What? Hold on, let me see. Um, I see eight seventy, but I'm not sure if you see a line that could beat it. I was kind of hoping for like eleven to one or something. Yeah, like that's that. kind of low for him, though. It is. It uh, is. That's why I can't take it. If it was like eleven yeah. or twelve to one, I'd probably take it. Yeah, but, I see nine to one. Okay, that's not that's not good enough for me. Yeah. Uh So maybe can you if you find can do anything a po- on Barnes uh, for a triple double. Yeah, I see thirty five even- to one. Or even double double. I think Scotty Barnes is a little bit of play, and it's more because 
I, we know that Jacopoto has been the main rebounder for the Spurs, but losing Keldon Johnson and losing Vassell, those are your next two highest rebounders on his team. And so if they're going to struggle, you know, finding guys that are going to be around the rim to get the ball, I can see like a Siakam, a Scotty Barnes. So I really like their rebounds props for those two. And I mean, Scotty Barnes has put up some pretty decent numbers against the Spurs in the two games that he has played against them, 11, 9, and 8 in, his, in one game. And then in another game, he had 28 and 1. So, I mean, there's been some pretty solid numbers there. I like Scotty Barnes over his rebounds prop today with a couple of guys missing on that Spurs side just to be more active around the room. By the yeah, way, I has- see I see Barnes double-double at one book is plus 255, which I really like. I think that's a great yeah. price. I see a yeah. 285 for him as well. I think that's definitely worth something. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, he had 21-7-8 and eight in his last game um, without Fred Van Fleet on the floor as well. So maybe a possibility where he gets the assist or even, like you mentioned, uh, Terrell, the rebounds Yeah, uh, for Scotty Barnes. All right, uh, let's keep it rolling here, guys. Three games left on the schedule. Uh, we have the Utah Jazz headed to Dallas to take on the Mavericks. It's going to be 8.30 Eastern start. Uh, looking at the lines for this game, I'm currently seeing the Dallas opened up as a six-point favorite. That number has been bet up uh, to six and a half. Total is sitting at 222. That number's a uh, half a point down to 221 and a half uh, in this game. Looking at the injury report for both of these teams for the Dallas Mavericks, Davis Bertans, uh, Davis Bertans continues to be out with the right knee infusion. Frank Nilakina is also out with a right ankle issue, and Christian Wood is officially questionable tonight with a non-COVID-related illness. For the Utah Jazz, um, pretty clean injury report. Nobody of significant is on their injury report, so everybody is a go. I know they were having some um, illnesses and uh, COVID-related stuff going through their locker room, but nothing on the official latest injury report. So let's start with the side here, Terrell. I'll start with you on this game, currently over on win bet. The Dallas Mavericks are a six and a half point home favorite here hosting the Utah Jazz. What are you thinking? This is like, uh, this is getting close to a realm that I don't want to go facing the Utah Jazz. And that's laying a big number against them. They are a scrappy team. They're a scrappy team that goes back and forth and really wants to challenge and just prove that hey we're not one of the worst teams in the league and this was fun the first game of the season when i picked them to do it against denver and we cashed that really big money line but now it's getting to a point where it's really fucking annoying and can you guys actually start playing worse please so we can start fading you again (laughs) but i mean it they're a pretty they're a pretty good team so this mavericks team has given me cause for concern sometimes with their you know effort on the defensive end to start the season we know that they're a lot better defensive team than what they are showing this part of the season and i it's really hard for me to fade what luca is doing right now to be honest and i hate to just sit here and put all of this on the back of luca but if luca is just walking into 35 plus points like it's really really hard not to like the mavs in this game so I'll give a slight lean to the Mavs minus six, but the better play, and I think this is my favorite prop of the day, is I'm on Lori Barkin over seven and a half rebounds because what are they doing? He is killing this line. He is absolutely demolishing this line. He has like four double-doubles in the season already, and 
if you sit here and you look at the maps outside of Luka, they really don't rebound the basketball at all. Like they're really a terrible rebounding team outside of what Luka is able to give them. Christian Wood gives it to him maybe a night, takes a couple and, nights. And he off. might not play. Yeah, yeah, and he might not play. Like that just even more. It just feels like Lori Markinen. He's there, and he said, all right, I'm going to take that position as the big man. He's a seven-footer as the big man on this team, and I'm going to go up there and get a lot of rebounds. He's been over this number, and I, I don't even remember what the number was. Uh, What's the current number? Seven and a half? Seven and a half, yeah. Four I see Markin and double-double at plus 285. 285 is way too good of a price, and I'm absolutely playing that. But when I look at his rebound numbers, just going through what he's done this season already, 11, 9, 10, 9, 6, 12, 13, 4. Like, where are you getting 7.5 as the line right here? And it's not even a juice 7.5. This is over here. I'm getting in that minus 111. So, yeah, give me Laurie Markin at over 7.5 rebounds. I feel like that's my best prop of the day here. Love that. Um, Scott, thoughts on this game with the Jazz and the Mavericks? I'm going to Utah in this one. Uh, I also watched them against Denver in the first game. I saw them dominate, and while I was watching them, I thought to myself, this team could be a playing team. Like I think that they just have a lot of depth, and that's what happens when you trade away your star players for some role players and draft picks. You get a lot of role players who are all valuable, and suddenly you have an eight, nine-man rotation that actually can compete with a lot of other teams because your bench unit is so much better than the other team's bench unit. I think Dallas's bench unit is garbage. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have anybody. Yeah. And Luca, we know, is incredible. And I'm expecting Luca rebounds to also be a good prop tonight because if Wood's out of the lineup, then Luca's going to have to rebound the ball. But yeah. you're looking at what Dallas has with the second unit. You're throwing in Compazzo. Like, you really don't have many options here at the guard spot for, for an overall bench lineup. And I think Sexton should play well. I think that you're looking at Malik Beasley, who could play well. I like Utah because I think that Dallas's bench is really just not good. And Christian Wood might not play either. I'm not a Kleber guy. Imagine last year's roster with no Brunson. That's kind of what they might be throwing out for this game. I don't like that idea. And I think that Utah has value. I'm going to go with Utah. But if you want to take Dallas, you might as well just take Luka PRA. Because if they're going to win the game, Luke is going to go for some ridiculous 40, 15, and 10 game. So I I expect Luka to go nuts, but I think Utah has enough quality scoring depth to really outplay Dallas's entire supporting cast. I'm on the Jazz here. I think they're a pretty good team. Yeah, he he just swayed me. I'll take Jazz plus six. Yeah, Dallas, uh, sorry, Utah has one of the better defenses against the point guard position early on in the season here as well. So I don't know um, what Luca is, but I guess technically, yeah, I went, yeah, I wouldn't say he a point, yeah. point forward. <laughs> he's yeah. he's just I can't fade with Luca's actually like everybody talks about that Luca MVP, and you know he's like one of the shortest odds every year. The he's record's playing not like it to start this, this yeah, and it's because he came into shape too, right? Because he was playing in that Euro yeah. basketball, uh, Euro basket tournament uh, that, over the summer. That's why we well. liked him. The only question is, is Dallas's record going to be good enough for him to actually win the award? And that was one takeaway I had when they lost the Pelicans. I lost money on it, but I'm watching this team play, and I really don't think their supporting cast is that good. I think Tim Hardaway Jr. is a decent shooter. Finney Smith's a streaky shooter. Bullock, I'm hit or miss on. I think Bullock is off a lot more than he's on, but I know yeah. he was good with the Knicks when Terrell was, you know, watching him play almost every day. I don't think Dallas' supporting cast is that good, and I yeah. feel like that's really going to be their undoing over the course of the season. I really like Utah supporting cast. I think that's going to be the story of the game. Yeah. And Markkinen's a savage. 
Yeah, I, I like uh, I like Utah here as well. Um, I think the, what you said, Scott, there that the pure depth off the bench for the Utah Jazz is purely, purely better than what Dallas has. Uh, if anything, at that right, and if Christian Woods not able to go tonight, officially listed as questionable here, uh, I think that just adds, you know, that just puts a dent more in the Dallas bench because he comes off of the bench for that team. So uh, definitely keep an eye out for the Christian Wood uh, questionable tag as we uh, get closer to game time. Quietly, guys, Luca averaging 36.7 points per game. I'm not sure if anybody has noticed that so like, far yep. this season. No, so Luca's like – I think I saw earlier, Luca's 40-plus points is like 2-1, to one, and that's just insane. That's crazy, yeah. yeah. All right, uh, let's get over to the next game of the night. It's going to be – let's go to Memphis – sorry, let's go to the Portland matchup. Memphis headed to Portland to take on the Trailblazers. Uh, Memphis opened up as a three and a half point uh, road favorite here. That number has been bet up to minus four and a half. Uh, total opened up at 228 and a half. That number has been bet down to 226. Uh, looking at the injury report for both of these teams, to start with the Memphis uh, Grizzlies, Stephen Adams officially questionable. He has a uh, soreness in his jaw. Desmond Bain questionable with a right ankle soreness. Uh, Danny Green, Jaron Jackson continue to be out, and Jake LaRivia. Questionable tonight with an illness, non-COVID related. For the Portland Trailblazers, we know Dame is going to be out for a little bit of more time. Uh, Gary Payton uh, is going to be out. I believe I read another seven more games. Trenton Watford and Oliver Saar are also out for the Portland Trailblazers here tonight. And Josh Hart, questionable as he is in the concussion protocol for the Trailblazers. So a pretty dinged up uh, team for both sides here. Looks like we'll see heavy minutes from the starters in this game. Let's start with the spread here, Scott. Minus four and a half, currently over on win bet. Sorry, up to minus five now for the Memphis Grizzlies uh, as a road favorite going up against the Portland Trailblazers. I'm on the Grizzlies. Uh, I, I respect Portland for being five and one. Doesn't change the fact they're missing Lillard, and I do think that's a serious deal. Josh Hart also might not play, who's one of the most underrated role players potentially in the league. I think Hart's a pretty good uh, role-playing guard-forward, very good rebounder for his size. But a lot of it comes down to if Memphis is going to be with Bain and Adams. Or Adams, I don't know if that matters that much. But for since they have Nurkic on the other side, you kind of want Adams in the lineup. But it really comes down to Bain. Because if you have Morant and Bain in there against Portland's defense, it's going to be rough for the Trailblazers' backcourt, especially to try to guard those two guys. I'm going to lean Memphis. The fact that money's come in on the Grizzlies suggests to me that there's a decent chance Bain plays in this game and somebody sure. might know something. I'm going to go with Memphis. I just think Portland without Lillard is really a team I don't want to back because they really need Simons to go nuts in every game that, or Grant to go nuts in every game that Lillard's not there for. Memphis is just such a deep team. And with Moran playing at MVP level and with Bain being in line for somehow being a finalist for most improved in back-to-back years mm-hmm. because he somehow had another leap after having a leap last year, mm-hmm. they're so damn good as a duo. Give me the Grizzlies. I just think the Portland might be on fade territory in the short term with the Lord being out. Terrell, uh, Memphis minus five here against the uh, Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, I'm going with Memphis here. And I was on uh, Portland that last game against the Rockets. One, just a little bit of fade of Rockets. And I just thought that even with Dame out, this Portland team could still find ways to score the basketball. And they were able to. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're going to find ways to score the basketball here. I'm over. I'm on the over this game as well. I think both of these teams are going to be able to score. Both of these defenses have been really, really bad to start the season. Yeah. But 
I'm I'm not taking them over a full, pretty much full strength Memphis squad. And then really a even better Memphis squad if Steven Adams doesn't play. Like if he's not in the lineup, this this team is gonna be a lot better. They're gonna move the ball, they're gonna be a lot quicker on the game, a lot, and they might actually be a little bit better defensively, seeing how Portland's gonna be able to uh try to space the floor a little bit with Jeremy Grant um playing at four position and then mm-hmm. you know what Nurk does on the inside. I think that this is I think this is a pretty good opportunity for Memphis to get right on the road, playing against the Portland team that's beat up, had that, you know, hey, we're going to go out here and get a win without Dame game last game. And I just don't think that they'll be able to keep it up for four quarters like Memphis will be able to. So give me the Memphis Grizzlies here. Yeah, I like Memphis here as well. Uh, despite them being the worst uh, defensive team as far as rating perspective uh, so far this season at number 30, uh, I just think that there's not enough right now for the Portland Trail Blazers, especially depth-wise. You guys talked about how Dame's you know, going to be missing some time here. Um, Simons and Grant should get theirs, but I think John Moranch is playing at a whole different level right now. Desmond Bain looks like, uh, according to the line movement, what Scott mentioned, should be able to go. And I think that depth around them should be able to take care of business here against the Portland Trail Blazers. So I'll go with Memphis minus the five here as well. I think uh, what you said, uh, Terrell, about both of these teams being able to put up points, I do like the over in this game as well. Uh, currently, that number sits at 226 um, for this game. But, Scott, do you have any thoughts on the total here? Uh, I'm not going to take an under with the Grizzlies. So yeah. it's either going to be over or pass. Okay. Terrell, any thoughts on the total? Yeah, I'm on over. I think that. Grizzlies defense, Blazers defense been really bad. Without Dame, there's still a lot of scoring on this Blazers team. You have yeah. Shady and Sharp, you have Jeremy Grant, you have Anthony Simon. So yeah, give me that. Uh, any player props you guys are looking at in this game? I do. Obviously, I think an auto bet right now may just be John Morant over on his points. I'm seeing that at 28 and a half. But Terrell, player props in this game? Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take Anthony Simons over on his points. Uh, Shady and Sharp, when that comes out, I don't think I see it out right now, but. I like Shady on Sharp to have a pretty good game in this one. Just that backcourt. I like both backcourts in this game. Uh, Scott, any player props you like? Uh, it's mostly just going to be about Morant going nuts, maybe being three-pointers. I am kind of curious about the center matchup, though, because if Adams is out, would I look for Nurkic rebounds? Probably. I think that might be a decent you know, under-the-radar spot there for Nurkic to have a pretty good game on the glass. But, Simons, you mentioned the points. What's better, the points or the three-pointers? Uh, three pointers is at three and a half. Okay, that's right. Three pointers, yeah. Three pointers at three and a half, and uh, points is at 24 and a half. Do I think that he gets to 25 unless he hits like five threes? Probably not. So I think I'd rather take the three pointers, yeah. All right, uh, last game of the night here, gentlemen. It's going to be the New Orleans Pelicans headed to Hollywood to take on. The Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, no longer number, winless Lakers. Yeah, no longer winless. I should have mentioned yeah. that. I'm sorry. Um, this number opened up at minus uh, three and a half for the New Orleans Pelicans. That number is now at minus three. Total is sitting at uh, opened up at 229 and a half. It's been bet down about half a point here to 229. You can see some 228 and a halves out there as well. Um, money line for this game, minus 155 for the New Orleans Pelicans and plus 127 on the money line for the L.A. Lakers. Uh, looking at the injury report for both of these teams, let's start here with the New Orleans Pelicans. Dyson Daniels is probable for this game. Brandon Ingram is out. He remains in concussion protocols. Herb Jones is probable here tonight for the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, Zion is a go. CJ is a go. Uh, Jose Alvarado, all those guys are a go for the New Orleans Pelicans here tonight. 
for the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, questionable tag for Anthony Davis as he deals with a lower back tightness issue. And LeBron James on the injury report as probable with left foot soreness. Scott, you mentioned it. The Lakers were able to get their first victory of the season on Sunday night against the Denver Nuggets. But now you bring in a New Orleans Pelicans team. And I think that is much deeper. Uh, they're playing great basketball right now. The guys are healthy outside of Brandon Ingram. Uh, but what are you thinking about this game here, Scott? Minus three for the Pelicans against the Lakers. I'm on the Pelicans here. I feel like even though the Lakers won a game, congrats. It was, a lot of it became apparent early on that the team was actually just having a good three-point shooting day. I believe they shot over 40% in that for the game. first time, yeah. Yeah, for the first <laughs> time, and they beat the Nuggets. Yeah. So I'm not exactly shocked they won the game because they shot that well. The problem is I don't think they're going to shoot that well because from what I've seen so far, they're a bad three-point shooting team. I'm on New Orleans. They have too much depth. And yeah. you talk about the deepest teams in the league. The Warriors are up there. The Clippers are arguably up there. And now you have the Pelicans, who I think are the most underrated candidate in there. Phoenix as well. But still, mm -hmm. the point is, I just think that you're looking at who the Pelicans have as a bench unit. I like their bench unit a lot. I think Trey Murphy's a really good player. And he's like arguably their eighth man. <laughs> I think that they have a lot yeah. of talent. Dyson Daniels was very good in action there against Dallas when they were shorthanded. Alvarado's good. I think that they have a lot of pieces that could give the Lakers bench problems. Davis might not play. If he doesn't play, I'm all in on LeBron rebounds, like all day, every day, yeah. if AD doesn't play. Mm -hmm. But you're even looking at the center spot for the Pelicans. Vucevic, not Vucevic, sorry, Valanciunas is going to dominate, isn't he? Yeah, and I was trying to look at his rebounding props earlier this morning, but they hadn't dropped yet. But let me see if there's an updated number. But you're going for rebounding numbers, and you got Zion, who we know is a pretty good rebounder, especially just for dominating on, on points in the paint. If 80's out of the lineup, or even in the lineup, we've seen teams really push the pace against the Lakers, and AD, because of the back issue or whatever injury he's dealing with, he is behind when they go mm -hmm. transition defense. And I do think that you're looking at the Pelicans who could push the pace. McCollum is going to have a matchup uh, that he should like in this overall game, in my opinion. Uh, besides that, though, with Valanchunas and with Zion, I got to assume New Orleans dominates in points in the paint, don't they? Yeah, I agree. I'm, a, I'm on New Orleans. I just think that this team, even without Ingram, is so deep. I'm also not sure Darvin Ham can coach. I know for a fact yeah. Willie Green can coach. So I think they have an advantage on the sidelines. Give me the Pelicans. This team's feisty. They're motivated. They're just a very good overall team. The Lakers won one game because they shot well from three. Calm down. I'll take the Pelicans. <laughs> Terrell, Pelicans minus three uh, in L.A. tonight. I mean, the Pelicans have owned this series, completely owned. I, for the last five, they've won outright and been dogs in multiple. For the last five, they won outright. I think the only one that they lost, they literally didn't have anybody playing. I'm almost positive that was the result, and that's how the Lakers kind of got a really good win there. But Pelicans have been owning this series for the most part. And you go back to the three-point shooting. I don't understand how the Lakers are 30th in three-point percentage, but 12th in three-point attempts per game. It's obviously not working. Stop fucking doing it. It's well, not Westbrook's working. Westbrook's been doing that for years. Yes. And so you have that. Combine that with the fact that the second best team in the entire NBA against the three is the New Orleans Pelicans, who are allowing only 31.9% from three. I 
I don't see where the scoring is going to come from for the Lakers, for them to be able to keep up if the Pelicans are hitting on all cylinders. Pelicans, as you talked about, points in the paint. Pelicans, third best team, points in the paint, averaging 55.7 points in the paint. Now, that's where it's going to have to be for the Lakers because the Lakers are not too far behind them. Fifth in the NBA at 54.3, but where is the rest of the scoring coming from? Are they going to be able to make that uh, make those adjustments and either get out in transition, get some easy buckets, get a lot of turnovers and points off turnovers. Like where are the Lakers making those, those adjustments this far into the season? I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to roll with Pelicans here and just continue to fade the Lakers until they've shown me continuously that they can actually be in some of these games. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I, I think that the Pelicans are just a more deeper team um, and I think that they'll have their way here tonight. I know they, they like Scott mentioned, they shot 40-plus percent in their first game and their first victory so far this season. But you take a look at the stats for the three-point shooting, uh, opponent three-point shooting percentage, Pelicans are the second-best team. So if the Lakers are smart, they try to attack the paint here tonight, and maybe the Pelicans do their best to force three-point shots here as the recipe for success here. But I just think that Zion is going to have his way here tonight. You mentioned Valanciunas, Scott. That should do- they should dominate on the boards. And you'd go. we talked about a lot that the Lakers, at least early on in the season, are just not a very good rebounding team. So I think they'll have a lot of success on the Pelicans uh, uh, rebounding the basketball. And I think they are the number three overall team as far as offensive rating goes as well. So you go, both of you guys mentioned that. I think, Drew, you mentioned it right now, that the Pelicans should be able to get whatever they want on the offensive side. Can the Lakers keep up with that scoring? I don't think they can. So, which I just love the Pelicans here tonight. Minus the three. I also like their team totals to go over here tonight as well um, for this game. Any player props you guys are looking at for this game? Scott, I'll start with you. I mentioned Valanciunas, but I don't exactly see numbers available, so I can't really talk about it. But I think Zion has a big game. I, what are you I'm looking trying for to just for think Valanciunas? of how – what? What do you look for, Valanciunas? Uh, yeah. What, what I number? see ten and a half on his rebounds. Yeah, that's what is I got. Ten and a half. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. Really, I think ten the one concern about that may be that if Anthony Davis does start, that he may be guarding him, which pulls him away from the basket. Uh, do you do you have to guard Anthony Davis on jump shots? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how he's been? I'm just asking. No, how he's been this far? Yeah, you don't. Like, really I, have I to. just feel like he should end up having at least 11 rebounds. Like the Lakers mm. are a team. The argument maybe is that if AD doesn't play, LeBron might play center, and then Valanciunas really is on a man like a man without an actual island because he's kind of just stuck in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But they'll dominate on the glass in the offensive end. Valanciunas is a great rebounding big, and I do think that number is a bit too low. So I like the over there for rebounds. But I'm looking at Zion and. You know he's going to take the matchup against LeBron somewhat personally, but it mostly just comes down to the fact that I don't think the Lakers have much interior defense. And AD, we know, is a very good defensive player. The issue is he might not play, and he's also banged up, and his transition defense is atrocious. I'm just expecting Zion to take over the game at some point where he has a stretch in five minutes, maybe in the second quarter. He just puts up, like, 15 points in like seven minutes because he goes to the foul line five times and he gets a couple offensive rebounds and nobody can stop him. Who the hell is going to guard him? You think LeBron wants to go out of his way to guard Zion? That's not going to happen. Yeah, that's why I'm on Zion over 24 and a half points. Yeah, I just this just seems like the matchup where Zion is able to go and really get whatever he wants. And then also just thinking of what this Pelicans team is doing defensively right now. I think that they're going to be able to create a bunch of turnovers. And once you start creating turnovers and you let Zion get out in open space, then good luck. Yeah. 
Uh, four matchups in his career against the LA Lakers. He's averaging 28 points per game in that span. And he's gone over 24 and a half points in three out of the four matchups with 29, 35, and 27. The one lone game he didn't, he finished up with 21 uh, points in that game, but he didn't have a great shooting night in that game. But yeah, I agree with him. Like Lonnie Walker? Like, I I really don't think LeBron's going to expend energy on the defensive end because they need him to score every point offensively. So Zion's going to have a mouse in the house every time he's in the paint. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Anything else for this game, guys? Uh, No, I just like the Pelicans and Valanciunas and Zion. That's basically All right. Let's get into our picks for tonight. Uh, Huge schedule. Lot to pick from here tonight. Uh, We'll start with our locks and dogs. Uh, let me kick it off here, guys. I will go with uh, my lock. I'm going to go with the New York Knicks here tonight, minus two and a half as my lock. Again, Atlanta, when they lose outright, we talked about the sad earlier. They're like 0-39 against the spread. They just either get blown out or they just don't even cover the spread when they lose. So Knicks, we talked about how they will probably or are going to take this game personally. I think the depth is a lot better for the New York Knicks. I'm going to take the Knicks here tonight, minus two and a half, hosting the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, for my dog, a um, couple ways uh, we can go here. Um, hmm. Let's go. Let's go with the Charlotte Hornets here tonight. Plus one sixty-five on the money line against the Chicago Bulls. Back-to-back situation. We talked about it. Very small sample. Chicago zero and two against spread. Zero and two straight up. Coming off the game against the Brooklyn Nets, where they obviously did get up for going up against guys like Kyrie and KD. Now you're coming back home to face the Charlotte Hornets, who have the rest advantage. Um, I think that they'll be able to take advantage of the lack of three-point defense for the Chicago Bulls. And Kelly Oubre, P.J. Washington, even Gordon Hayward should be able to knock down some three-point shots here. I think they can do enough to go out and win this game here tonight against the Chicago Bulls. So I'll take the Charlotte Hornets money line, plus 165 and plus five against the spread as my dog of the day. Uh, Scott, I'll kick it to you. What do you like for this uh, slate tonight as your lock and dog? So for my lock, I contemplated taking, well, the Knicks as well, but I decided to not do it. I'm going to go with Toronto. I'm going to take the minus seven and a half against the Spurs. Keldon's officially been ruled out since we talked about the game. So Mm -hmm. you're looking at what the Spurs have offensively. And it's an oxymoron because they have nothing offensively. I mean, you're looking at the roster for this game. Uh, Vessel was very good. Of course, he's still out. Keldon Johnson ended up taking over most of the scoring load once Vessel went out. And Johnson now is not playing. You're looking at the starting lineup. Trade or projected starting lineup. You have Trey Jones, Josh Richardson, Dougie McBuckets, Sochan, and you have Pirtle. That looks like a Wembenyama team. Just saying, we, we're we might have been waiting spots. a couple. We might have been waiting a couple games, but that's a tanking lineup. Like that's a really bad starting five. Toronto, I don't want Van Vliet to play. I'm going to say it. I don't think he's yeah. going to play in this game. But you're looking at what Toronto has. Siakam's a matchup problem for this team. I think Barnes a matchup problem for this team. Even Ananobi's a matchup problem for this team. And Gary Trent's not easy to guard either. So I'm looking at what Toronto has. They have a good bench. I like their overall lineup. I know they burned me against the Sixers, but I also thought Embiid was going to play. The Spurs are not a great defensive team. They're missing their two main scores. I think Toronto buries this team, and I think they win comfortably because it looks like from this roster that San Antonio's tanking, doesn't it? This roster yeah. looks like a like if this was their lineup for the entire season, they'd win maybe 20 games, like tops. Yeah. 
I mean, when you have your first and second scorer out or leading scorers out, I think. And Toronto uh, just beat Atlanta by yeah. 30. They scored yeah. 139 points. So I like yeah. Toronto minus seven and a half. All right. What's your dog for the night? So my dog, I thought about also taking the Hornets, but I am going to go with something that we haven't done yet this season. It's going to be an alternative team total. I'm okay. going to take the Clippers team total under 113 and a half at even money. It's the ultimate baby dog, but I'm going to take it. I gave it on YouTube. Right. It was minus 115 last night. I don't get it. If you want to, bo- if you want to boost the team total up for a team that can't score, have fun. But I'm not going to bother. I'm going with the under. This team can't shoot. And Paul George went nuts in the last game. They still only scored 95. I know that Houston right now ranks 10th in pace. They should be top five. Silas is still relatively slower than you know. He's playing at a slower pace than they should be playing at. Mm-hmm. And the Clippers. Second worst offense and efficiency. They're 18th in pace. Uh, I just don't think this team's very good right now. And if you're only going to score 95 in the first meeting, and now your total is 115 and a half, or in this case, 113 and a half for the alternative, they're 0-7 going over on team totals. So they're 7-0 to the under. They can't score. Give me the team total under for the Clippers at even money at 113 and a half. Because until they actually go over, I'm going to keep betting them to go under. I love it. No argument from me. Uh, Terrell, close out strong, my man. All right. For my lock, let's go with the – let's go with the over 226 for the Memphis Grizzlies and Portland Charlotte Blazers. Both of these defenses have been absolutely horrific to start the season. And even with no Dame in the lineup, matter of fact, no Dame in the lineup has dropped this total. It was in the 230s. They probably should have kept it there uh, because you still have Jeremy Grant. You still have Shady and Sharp. You still have Anthony Simons. And then on the other side of ball, what, you're telling me I'm probably going to get Desmond Bain, uh, Dylan Brooks, and John Morant with potentially no Steven Adams? I like the opportunity for points in this game. So I'll take the over 226 in that game. Debated just go ahead and siding with Memphis, but I can see some scoring on the Portland side too. So I'll take that over. For my dog, I'm going to go back to Laurie Marketing. Laurie Marketing, double double, plus 285. He's been over this uh, seven and a half line for his rebounds in two, in every game but two this season. And he's has four double-doubles on the season already. We sit here and we talk about the Dallas team, and they're having issues rebounding basketball. Luka's their best rebounder. Then you have Christian Wood, who may or may not play in this game. I like the opportunity for Laurie Markkinen. He's a big guy, doesn't really commit too much to the defensive end, so he's really just stands under the basket and gets easy rebounds. So, yeah, give me Laurie Markkinen and have a double-double plus 285. Love it. All right, just to recap here, my lock, Knicks minus two and a half. Terrell's lock, Grizzlies, Blazers over 226 and a half. And Scott's lock, Raptors minus seven and a half. Dogs, mine is going to be the Hornets plus 165. Uh, Scott is going with the under on the Clippers team total at 113 and a half. And for Terrell, Lori Markkinen, double-double at plus 285. So let's have ourselves a night here, guys, uh, on this Wednesday schedule in the NBA. That's going to do it. Uh, long esp- long episode, but again, a lot of games to get through here. A lot of great stuff, a lot of great information that we did give out. Uh, Scott, anything else you want to get off your chest before we get out of here, my man? Not really. It's been about an hour and 50. Hopefully you had yeah. some popcorn. You enjoyed the movie, but we'll be back again at some point <laughs> yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Terrell, anything else, my man? No, no. Let's go. All right. Make sure to follow the NBA Gambling Podcast account at SGPN. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. We'll be going live every day uh, when we do get on this pod. So maybe that gets you through the work day. Uh, maybe if you're working out or whatever the case might be. But 
Like uh, Scott said, we'll be back tomorrow in some form or fashion. Until then, good luck with your picks. Let's break these books off and let it ride. Ba-da-ba-da-da-da.